the first contact was for me very impressive because I found um, persons uh, I think with the same mentality as I as I have. They love podcasting as I love. Uh, they want to win like I want to win. We have Sean Windsor and um, I'm sorry I'm a bit arrogant. We have a Mark Fellower. Don't please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm ML Eric. So I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. You asked in a rug and you're trying to run my face. Gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? That man with the spectacular Portuguese accent, the Jose Mourinho of podcasting, was Mr. Mark Fellhauer, who is helping us bring you... ML Soul of Detroit live again this week. So, hey, kids, thanks for joining us. Uh, Sean Windsor will not be here because I don't know if we're supposed to say this or not, but um, uh, he's been called a perforated colon his whole life, and <laughs> now he has one. So that's most unfortunate. But we understand he's recovering. Uh, he was in a room right next to Donald Trump at Walter Reed Medical Hospital, and I'm sure those guys had some interesting things to talk about given how much they have in common. Peas in a pod. Peas in a pod, exactly. And then, uh, then uh, Mark, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Jennings will be joining us from a undisclosed location, um, which is good because the FBI is here too. So we want to <laughs> make sure that they don't know where to find Matt. Um, I'll just tell you this. Um, he's wearing a hoodie and sunglasses. So uh, you guys have had a case like this before. And Joe Zuver is somehow stitching all this together electronically. So we appreciate everybody being here, especially Jeff Rollins, who's a supervisory special agent with the FBI Violent Crime Squad, who's going to talk to us about why Detroit has been so deadly this summer. We are Murder City and have been off and on for a long time. But this summer in particular has been very bloody. Jeff is going to tell us, uh, give us his take on that as well as provide some eyewitness account of what's been going on on the mean streets. So we are going to be hearing from Jeff in just a minute. But first I want to talk to you about somebody who's making all this possible. That's our friends at Sir Speedy Printing. If you own or work at a company that needs marketing materials, then listen up. Sir Speedy has offices in Harperwoods, Troy, and Novi. They're known as Sir Speedy Print Signs and Marketing because they can do almost anything to help your business. You know, if you go to a shop and you see those really cool floor, floor graphics that say, hey, go <laughs> one way. Six feet apart. I'm talking to you. Six feet apart. Hey, big fella, quit breathing down the back of my neck. Sir Speedy makes those. You wonder where to get them? You get them from Sir Speedy. They can also help you update some of your signage because maybe you have new hours. Maybe you're offering new services. Maybe it's all pickup only. Maybe it's a limited number of people who can enter your shop or your business. Or maybe you're just trying to tell people who you work with in a very easy way how to get things done. Temperature, temporary hours, safety precautions, you name it. Sir Speedy can help you out. Whatever you need when it comes to marketing materials, Sir Speedy has you covered with brochures, signage. They can do direct mail campaigns. They can do promotional products, coffee math, coffee cups. I think they do masks, whatever you what want. What can't they do? 
Um, well, they can't get us to call. We need people to call these guys. I mean, they're doing a great job. They offer some wonderful products, and we need you to give them a call. So if you've got an idea, talk to them about it. In fact, if you give them a call, just ask for a quote and leave your name and, and address. We're going to send you a signed copy of the, Swan, uh, the Kwame Sutra. That's just this October. We want to get those phones ringing for Sir Speedy. So if you have a company that's just starting up and needs to get your marketing going, or you're a company that needs to take your marketing materials to the next level, you need to call my friends at Sir Speedy. That number is 586-777-7500, 586-777-7500. Or visit their website, sirspeedydetroit.com. Tell them ML sent you, and I'll get you a book, which is pretty cool if we just pick up the damn phone. I mean, what do you want for nothing? Rubber biscuit? Where's Dan Aykroyd when I need him? It's a Blues Brothers, I guess. Okay, it's just not as hip a crowd as I thought. Anyways. Well, uh, it's only a 40-year-old reference, but it's well, okay. So I'm just over 40. I mean, I love the movie, and I haven't seen it in over a decade, so. I think that's from the album. That's oh, from the first okay. Blues well, go even deeper next time. That's a real deep cut. But right. um, So before Jeff runs our names and finds out that one of us, <laughs> and I'm not saying who, is wanted, uh, we're going to introduce Jeff Rollins and talk a little bit about this summer, uh, I, I wanted to set this up by just reading emails I've received over the last couple of days from DPD. I get these every day. These are incident reports, and this is becoming all too familiar. October 1st, at approximately 11.50, five victims were shot at a rental hall. October 2nd, at approximately 7.34 p.m., 27-year-old male victim was sitting inside of a red Dodge vendor at a local gas station when he was allegedly approached by a suspect who fired shots, striking him in the body. October 3rd, at approximately 10.45 p.m., 34-year-old male victim allegedly heard shots and felt pain. So I guess his hearing's not that good. I, I heard shots. Oh, oh I've, I've been hit. So that, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe this, is, uh, maybe this is a homelander. October 4th, at approximately 12.30 a.m., 35-year-old male victim in the area when shots were fired by an unknown suspect striking the victim. October 4th, approximately 1.40 a.m., 25-year-old female victim was shot. Jeez. October 4th, approximately 6.02 a.m., just before brekkie, the man, John Doe, along with another male and two females, were inside a white Chevy Malibu. They were being followed by two unknown suspects in a black SUV. Suspects fired shots, striking the victim, fatally wounding him. And finally, October 4th, approximately 4.45 p.m., just before dinner, 24-year-old male was walking with a friend when someone in an unknown vehicle pulled up and fired shots, striking the victim in the body. Same day, 6 p.m., 20-year-old male, 30-year-old male were having a verbal altercation when the suspect produced a weapon and fired a shot, striking the victim in the body. That was yet another fatal shooting. I think a lot of people find this shocking, but Jeff, uh, this is your world. I mean, tell us what it's like to deal with this. Well, obviously, uh, like you mentioned before, these things are happening during the day, and that's more concerning to us. You know, Typically, we don't see this, and I think that's probably because the, you know, pandemic might have had something to do with this. And I think the, um, you know, typically this violence is driven by uh, drug disputes and gang disputes, but we're seeing more and more anger management issues and just these minor disputes between individuals, like you mentioned, with the, uh, the party, the banquet hall, and that turning into violence, which is unacceptable. So this isn't because of a turf battle, because of influx of drugs, because of, I mean, or is it? Because it sounds like some of it's just people being cranky. Yeah, we do see that. We do see both the, the, uh, the turf battles the, uh, for the gangs, the uh, drug violence. But 
we are seeing that flip side of it, which again, like you said, the just people being cranky and you know, it's a, the, these fatals, these non-fatal shootings are up across the board, across the nation. And obviously that's very concerning for, um, for us here in Detroit as well. So they're up. When was the last time we saw numbers like this? Is it, have we ever seen numbers this high or is it, you know, in a decade, two decades? No. And actually uh, violent crime across the board keeps going down. So we've done a great job every year. It's going down. We've seen a slight uptick this year, but still the violent crime across the board has been decreasing. Now, when you say violent crime, do you mean just guys throwing down on the street, throwing punches, people breaking into houses, carjackings, or, I mean, is it is it just people with guns who are doing more? No, well, it's a little bit of everything. So we include the sexual assaults, oh, sure. bank robberies, carjackings, obviously threats uh, against individuals, kidnappings, little all of that across the board, physical assaults are are down. Those shootings right now, though, unfortunately, are on the rise. So is it just people with guns who can't control their temper, or are we seeing more guns coming into Detroit? It's hard to imagine that there'd be more guns in Detroit than we've seen over the years, but, I mean, is this a is this strictly a – I mean, when you go back and chart this, and the FBI is, is famous for keeping statistics – Will we see a spike for 2020 that just stands out uh, over a 10, 20, 30-year span? Um, well, I hope so, obviously, because we want to continue to reduce the violent crime. Sure. But, uh, you know, I can't tell you whether or not right now at this point if there's more guns coming into the, uh, into the area. Um, again, just looking at it right now with the data that we do have and talking to those individuals that are committing these crimes, it seems to be these – these just minor disputes that people can't handle right now. Now, locally, the uh, the mayor and the police chief will, you know, po- pose it by saying, well, this crime's down, that crime's down. Does, does the spin kind of annoy you because you want to just stick to the violent? Like, how, how do you take that political spin from where you're at as an FBI agent? No, you know what? I don't see it as a political spin. I, you know, I agree with them. They are correct because violent crime is down right now. And it is, it's these... The non-fatal shootings, the fatal shootings that we're concerned about, like you had mentioned, they're happening during the day. They're happening at different times that are not typical to the gang and drug violence that we see overnight. And so I think the mayor and the chief of police are doing a fantastic job here in the city of Detroit. Um, we're partnering with the um, with eight other agencies, local agencies here in the task force uh, to combat this. And we've changed kind of our uh, our approach because of this increased in uh, shootings and with these other partners uh, i think there's a there's a presumption that this is a detroit phenomenon is this mainly geographically limited to detroit are you finding other parts of the metro area southeastern michigan where it's not just people come to detroit lose their mind they're they're going nuts and i I don't know where no we're seeing it in the um, major cities across the united states i mean it's not just detroit um basically any major city we do have a slight increase over in grand rapids and kalamazoo as well Hmm. but um but those major cities major metropolitan areas have seen a significant increase in this gun violence i guess i'm just thinking locally i mean ferndale shares a border with detroit Uh, there are lots of lincoln park shares a border with detroit are you seeing these things happen in neighboring communities or does it really seem to be centered in you know our city within the the legal defined borders of the city of detroit 
mainly within the legally defined borders of the city of Detroit. Um, there's a slight uptick, but not like what we're seeing here. You said that um, it's probably over. Well, some of it's over drugs, but you, you mentioned the the other smaller things. Are, has the drug trade grown during the pandemic? Since people are home, have you have you seen any indication of that? No, I think the um, it didn't stop. Yeah, it didn't, and that's a concern. And then everybody um, probably being at home. The uh, again, I go back to that anger management stuff. So what is your day like when you come in? I mean, how do you start off? I mean, I think we all think everybody comes in, there's roll call and everybody hits the streets. But I mean, are you going straight to uh, a hot scene? Are you looking at some data? Are you meeting with other agencies and trying to figure out? I mean, what are you seeing? Um, Actually, a little bit of all all of the above. So we are uh, we run the uh, Violent Crime Task Force. We have eight local agencies that we partner with to include uh, the Detroit Police Department. Wayne State University Police, uh, Detroit Public School Police, and um, uh, Wayne County Sheriff's Office. And those are just here, obviously, within uh, the city. We, um, we typically do long-term enterprise investigations, like the smash-and-grab robberies that you heard about last year mm. with the pharmacies. Those are our typical ones, or the serial robbers, or um, carjackings. But because of this increase, we've kind of focused on high-impact offenders, meeting with the uh, local precincts to determine who's driving the violence within that precinct, and, um, and going out on them to try and get them with a, uh, you know, a federal charge on a felon in possession of a firearm. And what are you seeing on the streets? I mean, is it just, have people become blasé about this? Are there people standing around waiting to provide testimony? Are family members crying? I mean, it, it's got to be pretty intense when you're out there and somebody's just just recently, uh, you know, shed that mortal coil. Yeah, it is. It can be, um, it can be intense. That's a good word for it. It can be very intense. Um, the, um, the families that are affected, um, obviously that's very traumatic. How, how tough is it to solve some of these, uh, these shootings? I mean, you got to hit the ground. I would presume what, what, what is the solve rate of it? Um, you know, I couldn't give you a solution rate right now. The, I'd have to look into it, but, uh, we, you know, working with the homicide task force and, uh, Detroit police department, we've done a, um, a good job of marketing, um, rewards and pushing out, um, you know, anonymous tip lines so that we can obviously generate leads when they've, uh, they've kind of stalled, um, working on a couple, um, you know, uh, cases involving, um, young children. And that's what we mainly want to focus on with the violent crime task force, those vulnerable citizens that are being caught in the crossfire, essentially, um, as well as, again, you know, trying to reduce the violent crime throughout the city. I remember 20 years ago when a lot of kids were getting killed in Detroit, and and I think it still happens a lot, but it was was particularly particularly common. A lot of these kids were uh, children nieces, nephews, neighbors of just people who were trying to even the score with someone or maybe somebody got the wrong address and just ended up killing kids. Are you seeing that um, – and I remember when Benny Napoleon was police chief, he, he fairly famously said that most of the people who are being killed know the person who's killing them because these are scores being settled. Uh, is that the case still or is there a lot of innocent people caught up in crossfire? 
you know, I'd still say that's the case. Uh, there are a lot of individuals that are um, familiar with the people that are uh, committing the crimes against them. And that's unfortunate because those family members that weren't involved in those crimes are now actually caught in a crossfire. And then there's, it just spirals out of control with the retaliation. Well, some would say it's social Darwinism. Uh, shithead A shoots shithead B, and there's one less shithead. But if they get uh, if they get niece or nephew or cousin or neighbor or playmate, then uh, that brings it to a, a whole new thing. Do, do you find that most of these bullets are hitting their targets, or is there is is it possible to sort of characterize for us how many people are getting caught up who have nothing to do with this, who have no no beef with anybody else, no culpability? Yeah, I probably couldn't, I, I can't comment on that. I don't know the, um, you know, we don't quite follow those type of statistics. You know, we're all about the victims and trying to solve crimes for those victims. The other uh, unique crime that's popped up during COVID are these uh, PPP loans that people misuse. Do you, are you involved in any of that or do you, is that the F, does that fall under the FBI? The, yes, the FBI does investigate some of that stuff. So are white collar crime, I just want to, no one ever talks about the pandemic and how it affects white collar crimes. Aside from PPP loans, are there other white collar crimes that's gone up? Has it gone down? Um, you know, my specialty is the violent crime. Yeah. I couldn't tell you about uh, white collar crimes right now, but um, yeah, I would assume that people are, there's always someone that's going to take advantage of the system whenever anything happens. And I'm sure that PPE stuff is... Um, you know, being targeted as well. Well, Ma- Mandy on Facebook Live had some questions, and I guess overall is what what role does the FBI or will they have with um, the election coming up? And um, she was wondering, are, are you seeing any organization from fringe groups with violence coming leading up to the election? Do you see anything like that? No, and the FBI's. You know, my job is to protect the Constitution and to protect everybody's rights, mm-hmm. uh, their constitutional rights. So the FBI is going to protect all those people so that they can, everybody can get out and vote. Um, and that is our main role, is to protect you and your constitutional rights. Now, we've heard a lot about uh, people coming from the outside to agitate. We've heard a lot about MS-13 and things like this. Um, those those were making a lot of headlines early on. The, the, the new uh, political beef seems to be operation legend and I, I what what's your involvement with some of these additional resources brought in under operation legend and what's your sense of whether that is bearing some fruit or whether that's going to have to be a long-term commitment to try and diminish get get these guns and this gun violence knocked down a bit yeah we so again like i said we're part of the violent crime task force this task force has been around for over 25 years now and we partner with uh, both our local agencies and our federal partners uh, DEA, ATF, HSI, and all of those are involved in Op Legend. We have had additional resources on a temporary uh, basis pushed our way, but we will continue to shift towards the more of the, like I said, we do the enterprise investigations, so a longer term investigation typically is what the FBI focuses on. But with Op Legend, we're focusing on getting those guns off the street, getting the guns out of the felon's hands. So we're focusing on felon in possession cases right now to reduce this uh, senseless gun violence. And and when you, you say focusing on getting the guns from them, I mean, it's not like somebody's driving around with a bullhorn and says, hey, sure. uh, every idiot with a gun, you know, could you come out on your front porch? I mean, how do you figure out who's got these guns and how to get them from them without getting shot yourself? Uh, that's a good question. The uh, That's where, um, you know, we try and um, 
develop individuals that are involved in the violence um, to help us out with maybe purchasing uh, uh, drugs or weapons from these individuals, um, undercover agents, you know, techniques like that where we can get into these individuals and, and show that they've been furthering the violence in their area and that they're a felon that is not allowed to carry a firearm and that now has federal charges. So is that our confidential human informants or sources, basically uh, snitches and bitches and anybody who's got something that they want to pass along? People that want to change their neighborhood. Okay. Well, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, you know, if you're telling me about a bad guy, you're not a snitch. You're part of the solution. So I'm, I'm exactly. all for that. Um, how do you, we have just about a minute left before you have to go and get to the latest hotspot. Tell me how you and the other uh, law enforcement who have to deal with this, uh, deal with it yourselves, because, you know, there, there can be a lot of trauma that, that you witness, uh, a lot of tragedy that you see um, secondhand, but that can't be something that you just uh, clock out and forget about seeing someone who's either been killed or is reacting to the loss of someone they love, whether they're a good or bad guy, but who's no longer with us. Um, you know, I try and encourage everybody to talk about it. And uh, the FBI, and I know some of the other federal agencies, they have a great program for uh, employee health, mental health, and uh, just personal health. You know, um, try and work out, <laughs> helps you mentally, helps you physically get through these. But the biggest thing is just talking about it. Okay. And um, uh, what's, uh, what's on the agenda today? I don't know if you're working today or not, but where do you think the day is going to end? Well, the day already started a few hours ago, actually quite a few hours ago. We had uh, some arrests this morning for some uh, gang, um, <laughs> gang members <laughs> and some great takedowns this morning. And then uh, we're going to work up some other ones that we're going to try and focus on later this week. Wow. Well, Jeff Rollins, supervisory special FBI agent uh, from the violent crime squad. We wish you and your, your men and women uh, all the best. Uh, please be safe out there and we hope you succeed yeah. because I hear the gunshots almost every night so far. Uh, none of them have hit me. My car got shot, but it's doing, it's doing much better now with counseling and, and spray paint, <laughs> but um, we'd like the gunshots to stop. So thanks for everything you guys are doing. And if, uh, if there's a number or some information we can share with people to let them know how to pass on some information, it'll be helpful to you. We'll put that on our website. Yeah, it's uh, 1-800-CALL-FBI. And thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. Stay safe, Jeff. We look forward to uh, some good news. And uh, we think it's it's good news that, that we're making a dent in this. And let's hope 2021 is yeah. the boringest summer <laughs> ever. Uh, I agree with that. Thank you for your hard work. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Oof. That's got to be worth an Altus. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Always. All guests appearing on ML Solo Detroit receive a 12-pack of Altus Lager. Oh, he loves beer. So I, I don't know if FBI agents can accept beer uh, or any sort of gratuity, but if... if uh, It's if, interesting. You always find people who can't accept it, uh, and I always wonder where that stuff ends up. Um, let's just say that it, it, it goes into the right hands. We want to make sure that yeah, yours, we don't want to waste anything, but, um, but yeah. So anyways, Jeff Rollins, we, we will have uh, a link to, uh, uh, FBI on our, our website. Uh, I, I always, you know, the, the confidential human sources, informants, snitches, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that motivate people. And, uh, and sometimes it's just to get their own butt off the hook. 
but um but i i really do think it's important for people who know something to say something there are lots of anonymous ways for people to share information either calling crime stoppers calling the fbi but uh but tough gig too well, the, the thing about there, insane. there are so many guns out there and there are so many bad shots out there. It's not even funny. I mean, if, if you know, I, I don't, pres- I don't subscribe to the social Darwinism theory, but if, if every bad dude shot the other bad dude they were aiming at, I guess there would be perhaps more some, bad dudes. some net gain, you know, I guess the last bad dude would, would clean up Dodge. But, but the problem is that's not how it works. It's, it's, it's uh, people with bad tempers are bad shots and we have bad results. So if you know something, give these guys a call and 1-800-CALL-FBI. Was that the number? That seems, uh, it sounds right. Yeah. seems pretty easy to remember. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so please let them know. And, and it's important to re- remind people too, that, that police are here to help. I know we don't like seeing them in our rear view mirror when, uh, when we're going a little too fast or maybe when we misjudge that light, but they are partners with uh, with one of our sponsors, and that's Hope Not Handcuffs. Since 2017, the Hope Not Handcuffs program has helped 4,700 people get the help and resources that they may not have gotten otherwise. Anyone struggling with a substance use disorder or addiction, whether it be heroin, painkillers, cocaine, even alcohol, can go into one of 100 participating police locations and ask for help. And you don't have to worry about getting arrested. They're there to help you. An officer will treat you with compassion and call a volunteer angel. It will come to the police department and assist with paperwork and making phone calls to get you placed into treatment that day. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Let them know about this, that they don't have to hit rock bottom. The next step doesn't have to be the hardest. There's hope. Go to hopenothandcuffs.com to learn more and make the step towards recovery. And joining us to talk a little bit about the program is is another special guest here on the show, David Clayton, who um, has been in treatment five different times, had been using for 11 years before he got sober from the age of 17 to 28, starting with prescription pills like a lot of people. And then it leads to marijuana, then drinking, and then heroin, which, uh, you know, people think of heroin as a clean drug. It hasn't killed Keith Richards yet, but Keith Richards isn't getting the shit that's on the streets around here. It's pretty nasty stuff. So David, we're glad that you're okay. And we're glad that you've turned your experience into a way to help other people. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was, uh, that was quite the segue from law enforcement <laughs> into holding my handcuffs. I like that. <laughs> well, they're working you know, together. That's kind of, uh, what we're seeing. And that's, that's the truth behind it is that, you know, Right now, law enforcement, I mean, in today's society is being painted as this negative picture, but, um, you know, they've been doing a lot of great work with us since we launched uh, over three or coming up on three years, you know, so it's four years, actually, in February, February 1st of 2017 is when we launched. So, you know, we're uh, we're grateful for all the, the partic- participating agencies that we have, and then we're grateful for the opportunities like this. And David is brought to us by uh, by Hope uh, Not Handcuffs as part of our sponsorship plan. But I, I think it's important for people to sort of remember that the old idea of police was of the constable, the the guy that everybody knew, the guy walking the beat. I know it wasn't really women, but now it is women walking the beat. Where you might be able to turn to them and and maybe uh, you know maybe they might just you know give you a kick in the ass and say, hey, you know you're heading the wrong direction. You're from good people. You you have you have other options because there are so few police left because nobody wants to pay any damn taxes for whatever reason. Uh, we, uh, we don't see those personal relationships, but 
Hope Not Handcuffs is trying to at least find a way to remind you that the job of the police is to be a peace officer, someone who is supposed to keep the peace, try and keep the neighborhood intact. And while you might not see them walking by the corner store, this program is there to try and remind you that that is part of what they do and that you can go seek help from them, that the police are not just there to punish you. Mm-hmm. They are there to help you. Now, if you go in there and it turns out you've been torching houses, that warrant, they're probably going to have to make an exception and lock your ass up. But short of being Genghis Khan, um, you know, I think, Dave, you think the police uh, can be part of the solution? Sure. I mean, for a very long time, the whole mindset was, you know, from law enforcement up to the to the judicial system was arrest, incarcerate get them off the street and that'll solve the problem. Uh, but you know, as we now know that it's this uh, addiction and alcoholism is this chronic, uh, insidious brain disease and, uh, it needs to be treated like that. Um, so just arresting and incarcerating was proving to not (laughs) work at all. Uh, that was the case with me for, for a lot of years, you know, for most of my twenties, I spent incarcerated in and out of jail, in and out of jail. And and I'll say to myself, well, hey, I'm, I'm not going to do that again because it put me in jail. But then this slippery slope and the cycle always ends up repeating itself. So it's kind of one of those things to where we need to uh, to treat addiction for what it is. And, and Mark, I want to give you, uh, you know, props for the, the first time that you uh, promoted Hope Not Handcuffs on the Drew and Mike show. You stated at the end, you said, well, well maybe now we can finally start treating addiction as a disease that it actually really is yeah i think and, a lot- and that's what it is uh, right and, and people don't want to see it that way people want to see it as this this horrible thing and and we're losing you know in, in 2019 70 over seventy two thousand people in a year have died as a direct result of a drug overdose and 2020 statistics aren't even out yet and we know that as soon as those statistics come out those numbers are going to far surpass that and right now we're especially now with with covid we've seen so many er related visits are up for alcohol and overdoses dramatically i think in the in the 40 percentile range um it's just horrible and and then now that we need it more than ever we need resources treatment centers are taking away beds for social distancing so then we don't have anywhere to put anybody but if I mean, and, and I just kind of say this just kind of as the thing, you know, it'd be great if we could have turned the TCF center into a treatment facility and had beds available for people that needed it when, you know, the beds at the local treatment centers from around the area are closed or they're kicking people out when, when COVID hits because they needed the beds available. And it's just, um, it's really disheartening when we're trying to do so much work as an agency of us uh, or all around the entire state. And we just don't have the resources available. So you said you were arrested in your 20s. Did you have to detox while in a jail or a prison? Yeah, multiple times, multiple times. And, um, you know, that's the and there there it is. Right. That's yeah. that that insidious relapsing brain disease, because you would think to yourself, hell, man, I just went through just torturous hell for seven to 14 days. And I'm just not doing that again. And then you get out of jail and you're like, well you know what, I think I'm going to be able to control it now because my tolerance is really low and I'm just going to kind of use a little bit and just a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're back in the same squirrel cage again. And I have seen, I've done it. I've had a lived experience through it. And then I see it happen to, to thousands of people on a daily basis. Well, unfortunately that's how a lot of people overdose. Cause then they get out and they go, Oh, I can just start 
doing the same amount I did before I went on. And next thing you know, it's, it's too much. So how does, how does hope not handcuffs treat that? Is it just by having people around to help them detox? How do, I mean, what, what is the first step? Okay. So, so really the, the, the nuts and bolts of hope not handcuffs is someone who is seeking treatment for drug or alcohol addiction can walk into any one of our participating police departments. They walk in, there's an officer behind the desk and they're hopefully greeted with compassion as we, you know, as we train and they say, I'm here for hope, not handcuffs, have a seat. They then call us and then we dispatch what's called an angel out to that police department. And they will make the call to the local uh, access center, which is the funding source of each County. And they will determine the best treatment option for them. Um, so once they are then find a bed available, they are transported via Uber Health, Lyft, or taxi uh, to that treatment center. And then we just don't stop there, right? So once they're in treatment, we're going to follow up with them. And then after treatment, we're going to follow up 30, 60, 90, 120, all the way up to a year. We're going to offer services. We have peer recovery coaches that are people that are in long-term recovery that can help uh, knock down barriers for that person to find their pathway of recovery. And then we know that addiction is far more than just the individual suffering. It's a family disease too. And the family is sometimes just as sick as the one suffering. So we offer family recovery coaches as well. Um, you know, so all the types of services that we offer are all free. Um, we do a lot of, uh, we have a lot of grants. Uh, we do a lot of fundraising and we're able to provide those services uh, to the individual and to the family as well. And then we also do a lot of Narcan training. So the, there's a whole, yeah. we just don't treat one part of the, the, the disease of addiction, right? There's a, there's a, a, a very large scope of it. And we're doing our best to address every aspect of it. And if someone wants to become an angel, hope not handcuffs.com has a link up there. Um, how long have you been in recovery? So I just celebrated seven years on September 23rd. Is it as hard today as it say the first year? Um, you know, I, I don't want to go as far as saying it's hard, right? Uh, you know, as long as I keep doing what I'm doing and, and, and maintaining a pathway of recovery for myself, um, helping others, you know, that's kind of what helps me. But you know what? I mean, that's the thing is that just because one gets sober, clean and sober, and they enter this life of recovery, uh, it doesn't mean that every day is rainbows and butterflies. You know, we all, we struggle, you know, we have good days. I have, I have good days. I have bad days. Um, and if I want to solve a problem with the problem, then I'm going to, you know, I'll get what I had, but you know, no one ever told me that recovery and sobriety was going to be easy, but they, they sure said it was going to be worth it. You know what, man? And they were right. For recovery, is it really, I would imagine it'd be really hard because a lot of friends that you would have associated would have been part of the problem. I mean, were you able to maintain friendships of with other addicts? I mean, I would, I don't know how so that works. I, so, and that's a big thing too. So I, I didn't like to share anything. Yeah. So I was always on my own. Um, how selfish. You know, and, and I, and I, and I just kind of just maintain a level of isolation. And a lot of times when you're around people, um, that, uh, you know, they're using and some of them used together, some of them used separately. And I was one of the ones that used, you know, by myself of just, you know, homelessness. And I had no, my isolated from my family, isolated from my friends. And then you'd be surprised when, once you, uh, you enter recovery and, and you're around other people that are in recovery, the ones that want to see you succeed, they're the ones that become your friends. And then the ones that, uh, that you might've been using with, you know, they're, they don't like it. And they're just like, well, we don't have much in common anymore. So, uh, you know, there's no reason for me to be a friend. But there's very, very, very few people that I've uh, associated with back in my drinking days, at least, mm-hmm. uh, 
But when I was, uh, you know, when I was using uh, harder drugs, it was something that I that no one wanted to be around, and I wouldn't want to be around myself either. Back when I was in that time. Now, uh, there's always we've seen the stories where there's a parent and they have a kid who's addicted, and next thing you know, they end up helping that addiction because the detox is is so awful, and sometimes. You know, they don't want you uh, stealing their stuff and selling it. I mean, it, it all seems to work together. How, how would you – if you knew someone who had an addiction and you wanted to help them get off, how do you go about that? Because you can only help someone who wants to help themselves so much. And you said it. That's kind of it. I mean, you have – the person that's struggling has to want it. Uh, I can't – you can't love someone out of an addiction. You can't buy someone out of an addiction. Um, and that's kind of the way it is. And, and everybody has higher bottoms than others, you know, and, and everyone always asks me, well, what was it this last time that was different from the times before? And you know what? I don't really know what it was. It was just a time to where I, uh, had gotten to that point and then I was arrested again. And, um, but I can tell you this much. I can tell you that the last time that I was arrested on September 23rd of 2013, that, you know, they were going to send me to prison uh, for a very long time. I think my, my guidelines were six and a half to 15 years in prison. And that was it. Like it was cut and dry. You're going. Uh, and I had found out when I was incarcerated about um, specialty courts. And those are your drug courts, your mental health courts, um, sobriety courts, veterans court. And, uh, and I asked to get accepted into drug court. And when at that time, too, uh, the prosecutor was very against it, very against it, said absolutely not. Uh, he called me helpless and he called me hopeless. They called me a career criminal. They said incarceration is the best option for him. Uh, you know, but there was something in the judge that said, like, all right, I'll give you the chance. Wow. And, uh, and accepted me in the drug court. And, and that's kind of what structured my life and, and kind of um, made my life come full circle back into, uh, you know, getting arrested, brought me back to jail, brought me back in front of the judge. And then it was kind of like a detour, right? All right, we're not going to keep doing the same thing. We're going to do something different this time. And we're going to get you in a drug court and it's kind of up to you what you want to do. And that sent me back to treatment for that fifth and final time, uh, put me back into sober living for the first time in sober living and then uh, finding my pathway of recovery what, after that. What were your arrests for? Uh, a, a lot. Theft. <laughs> um, retail frauds, larcenies, check forgery, um, credit card fraud, embezzlement, home invasion, receiving concealing stolen property it's a lot of work for an addiction yeah you know it really is and it's a lot of it was a lot of it was petty theft and and um you know what and that's the thing about it is people always go with is addiction a disease or a choice you know if i had a choice i wouldn't have had to do all that you know and and it's this kind of and and i always tell people this is kind of what it is man uh, this is what the face of addiction is there's so many people out there that uh that are coming from good homes. Some of them that come from not so great homes that come down a long line of drug addiction and alcoholism, you know, but you know, I was, I came to the point in my life to where I was like, this is it. Like, I don't even want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was extremely suicidal and you know, I just couldn't live another day, you know? So I think that that final, arre- excuse me, that final arrest was a blessing, um, you know, and, uh, and it's just a very tiresome, lifestyle, you know, but I tell you what, you know, sitting here today in my own home and, and being employable and, and doing the work that I can do uh, is a direct result of finding that pathway of recovery, you know, and, and we do so much work because for, so Families Against Narcotics is the, is our organization. And then we started Hope Not Handcuffs. 
um, and fans started back in 2007. So long before I ever got sober. And we were stood behind education and awareness. We have to go out and talk because you got to see at that time, no one was talking about addiction. Like there was, it was very taboo. And so we start talking about it. Well, then people are still dying. And then all of a sudden, boom, this opiate epidemic hit. And it was killing people long before this mainstream media picked up on the opiate epidemic. So, you know, we started Hope Not Handcuffs to help people, you know, and as I said, through fundraisers like tonight is huge. We have our big fall fest that we've had to, we had to go virtual for essentially everything. And tonight we have our Fall Fest Live, uh, which is a big fundraiser. So, uh, I mean, that's um, awesome to, uh, to be a part of that, to kind of to raise this money to keep helping. And all of the money that we raise, we end up dumping right back into the community and helping people that are still struggling. So wow. check out Fall Fest Live, man. It's well, good stuff. David, we're, we're glad that you're, you're in a better place, that you're – leading people to that place about a year ago i lost a cousin to overdose um i think if 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 people out there we we thought there might have been a problem we didn't know the extent of the problem i think people feel shame they feel they're going to be judged and uh i'll just tell you if you're out there and you're on that road whatever you're worried about your family saying to you they will feel so much worse if they find out you had a problem when it's too late so Go get That's some right, help. man. And I'll tell you this, the numbers that we've placed, I just checked the numbers. And today we have placed since February 1st of 2017, we have placed 4,709 people into treatment. Wow. So the program's there. It works for you. And you said it and reach out and you'd be glad you did. I'm t- I can promise you that you will be so glad that you reached out to live a different life. And, uh, and it'd be one of the best, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And to have, you know, all my, uh, you know, my friends and my family back in my life, you know, a relationship with my direct family that I, that my mother and my father and, and just uh, the life I live today is just something that I never dreamt possible. So get on the right path. Uh, don't worry about your family being mad at you. They'll be a lot madder at you if you don't ask for help. Hope not handcuffs.com. We have a link to their website on our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com. You can find out more about them. Remember there is, there's help. Uh, there's hope. A lot of people can't do it by themselves. These are folks who can help you. So, so David, thank you for everything, and uh, we hope that we hope the virtual fundraiser, yeah, uh, is a huge success and uh, and just the first of many. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Keep up the good work, man. Thanks, Mark. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. Our great debate is brought to you by my favorite butcher shop, and that is the place to go for prime meats, the butchery on Orchard Lake Road, just west of Middle Belt. Go in and spend 50 bucks and let them know that ML sent you, and they will give you an autographed copy of the Kwame <laughs> Sutra. I autograph these strictly for the butchery. Uh, some of them have messages that would only make sense if you go to the butchery so um that's only that's only two so far today that's the second kwame uh uh bell today and it's really just because in october we're trying to support our sponsors by by providing you some incentives we're not always going to give you stuff to go do things that make sense but this month we want to we want to support our sponsors because it has been a tough year for businesses and uh and the kwame sutra not only may get you to go and spend some money at a place that deserves your business it's quite possible the words in that sacred text could save your soul. 
So um, I don't want to make too many promises, but check it out. Um, the butchery has uh, something that you won't get anywhere else either. That is sausage made in-house from scratch by Chef Dave and Matt Jennings. Go to thebutchery.com to see all their amazing selections and follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to see what Chef Dave is carving up daily. I was in there last week, and I had some uh, some brisket that blew my mind and some fried chicken that um, – I'm still thinking about, so I, I may I may sneak back there after the show today. Uh, two four eight six eight two cows is their number. That's two four eight six eight two C O W S. This is a family business, so you'll probably meet somebody from the family, and you can feel good about doing business with the butchery. They have small private cooking classes with Chef Dave and Chef Julie, so check them out. It's worth the drive. I've made it. I'm going to make it again. I promise you'll be happy you went there. Just make sure when you get there that you tell them ML sent you. I believe they deliver too. So. Oh, do they? I think so. You'll just have to go to the website to find out. Yeah, all kinds of information on that How about website, that tease? So. I love teasing things when I don't know the answer. Yeah, it's like, I think they've, they have some meat there. It's like, <laughs> okay, Mark, I think we're safe with that one. I, I know they have meat there because I just got a bunch of it. Don't, so Don't stray too. Uh, yeah, I, you know, they have this, now that Sean's not here. He I is, you know, it's funny. He just joined. What? But uh, for some reason, his, <laughs> it's really funny. I don't even know if he can hear us or not, but his camera's not working. His microphone's not working. He's had a pretty rough weekend. That's our little Shawnee. He's, he's, yeah. You mean this Shawnee? He was full of fizz and the sort of guy who gets a bottle of hand lotion for his birthday. That's him. That's the guy. <laughs> oh, I can hear you. <laughs> there he is. There's my sunshine. Uh, you've never you just, looked so... You just, uh, you just can't see me, but okay. that's okay. Oh, because... Uh, okay, I see. I figured. Are you laid up still at home? Uh, you know, I'm I'm up and about a little bit, but uh, I don't want Mike to get too excited, so I just shut the video off. Sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> that's okay. When I heard Sean may be wearing a gown, I said that sounds about right. You said turn around so I can see your chaps. <laughs> wow. Um, so are you okay? I mean, I'll ask because yeah, I care. Yeah, I don't know Nicholson if, style, right? I don't know if ML cares, but I'll ask. Are you okay? What does ML care about? I'm I'm crying. On, I'm a crying on the inside type of guy. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm doing I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Thanks. Sorry I've missed the uh, sorry I've missed the show. I'm sure it's been great listening to Mike talk uninterrupted all the time. <laughs> no, and unfortunately he uh, he hasn't been able to do that yet. So he'll probably do it now that you're here. Can, oh, okay. Can you walk us through what happened to you? Or do you I'll not care to? Uh, I had a little. Um, a little, as Mike would say, uh, colon interference, maybe. Is that, is that the right way to put it? Yeah, I just a little, I, per, a, a little perforation in the colon. Was this was this Harry Colon from the Detroit Lions? Did this happen in Allen Park? In Allen Park, yeah, I, maybe it happened on the way out of Allen Park. Do you remember Harry Colon, the uh, defensive well. back for the Lions? Yeah, he's really good. Back when the Lions yeah. were good, That's he, used, he used to be the hairiest colon in Detroit, but now I think we've uncovered a second one. This show yeah. completely. No, actually, Mark. Uh, Mark, I know. Um, I know you care, so I'll tell you. This <laughs> Mike, and maybe Mike can put some earmuffs on or something. But uh, I was actually. I would to, to keep it brief. I was very, very lucky to be honest with you. I, yeah. I started. Uh, I got pretty sick last week. High, high fever. My wife, who works up at uh, at the university, they have a policy that anybody in the house gets a fever, you have to go get a COVID test. So she said, "You got to go get a COVID test." So I did. And then went back to bed and slept all after just one day last week, slept all afternoon, all night. And um, they told me the results could be one to three days. And I was just prepared to stay in bed until it kind of either got better or I got the results. Well, I got the results the next day. And that allowed me then to go into a regular sort of urgent care where my primary care is. 
and they said, "Hey, this isn't this isn't uh, something else is going on. Get to the ER right now." Oh, they, no. they worried about my colon, and next thing I know, a surgeon's coming in in the ER room saying, "I'm going to place my hands on your belly, and we're going to decide if we're going to cut you open right now." Wow. And um, yeah, it was kind of that quick and that uh, that intense. They decided that there was a window to to hang some antibiotics, some serious antibiotics, and me and see if I could help with the micro perforation. And, and, uh, and so I did that for three days and it did. And, uh, I was very, very fortunate to be honest with you. So did because they f- as you know, they can leak and get into septic yeah. shock. We we've had, we know people that have been through that sort of thing and, uh, it's, it's, it's intense, but I was very lucky and I'm uh, very grateful to talking to be talking to both of you, even Mike. <laughs> yeah, I guess you must have been pretty desperate if this feels good. What? How did did they find something in your blood where they said these these numbers are off? Or I mean, well, yeah, in, the, in their initial urgent care visit, once the COVID test came back negative, and I was allowed to go in there, um, it's just the way they it was a combination of the fever, where I was having pain in my abdomen. It was a very specific place, and they sent me to the ER. They said you need a CT scan, and the CT scan showed the. Um, the perforation so it was just a really good guess educated guess by a doc at the urgent care you know um he was right on the money so and do they have uh, any idea how this happened is it is it i mean well it's a product a little bit of age you know your colon can uh, can get these little out pouches called diverticulosis i'm sure some of our listeners Mm. of uh you know have have had experience with that they're fine it's natural but occasionally they can get infected that's called diverticulitis you know, maybe a seed gets stuck oh, in there. In Mike's oh. case, maybe a piece of popcorn. And, uh, yeah, our, and then sh- our show is known there- for people with faulty intestines. That's one of our, <laughs> that's one of our yeah. signatures. Well, well, yeah, the, got you yeah, in trouble. The, the little, the little out pouches, you know, the doc told me, Hey, if you did an autopsy and everybody that lived to a hundred, you'd see those. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's like an enlarged prostate. It happens. You get to a, you get to a certain age, uh, uh, if you have a prostate, I guess. But in any case, yeah, no. So it's part of its natural, uh, the natural order of things, and part of it's just dumb luck. It, occasionally they get infected, and you can sort of survive that. But the problem is, that you've, uh, once in a while, the infection will blow a little hole uh, in your colon, and that's where it gets, uh, you know, sort of life threatening. So are you it up could for? Could be from all the tofu, right? Oh, there's, uh, there's Matt with a shot. He's taking a shot at you, Sean. What do you say, something about tofu? Yeah. Too much tofu? Wait, he he just learned how to cook steak over the weekend with his little <laughs> buddies in the woods. He's going to talk here. about tofu. Are you up for, uh, Too soon. Are, are you up for arguing and debating? Or, uh, sure, as long as, yeah, as long as you and I are on the same side, as usual. <laughs> Not always. What, what? No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. So anyway, thanks for asking. Uh, I, feel, uh, I feel grateful and it's good to be with you all. Whew, okay, how do we take? We, well, so we go. Are you still from, with us, ML? I mean, I know that no, was Sean talking about himself I, for a while. I think if Sean was introducing this uh, this segment, he might say, uh, or this topic, he might say, we're going from one colon to another. But our topic this this week is very relevant. It, it does also involve hospitalization, and that's will Trump's COVID nineteen diagnosis help or hurt his reelection chances? Sean, since we we. Uh, we speculated earlier in the show that you probably shared a uh, private suite with POTUS at uh, Walter Reed Medical Center. What did he seem like this was going to help him or not? What, what did you think? You know, I did grow up uh, in military hospitals because I grew up in the, in the service. 
See how he turned it about him? You asked him to. I know, but that's yeah, what happens to me. I'm, yeah. I'm doing the Sean role this week. It's kind of fun. No, I'm just, uh, hey, man, you've trained me well. Make it about yourself. Wear sort of faux hipster things like Doc Martens. Uh, a little ascot around the neck, and you're, and you're Actually, good to go. I've got my uh, Premier League Doc Martens on. Oh, those are tight. Oh, that is awesome. And stupid. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my I West Ham the, United uh, jersey because it was my my uh, nephew Abraham's second birthday, who also had a very serious medical condition. Two years old, right. the guy is he's going to be the next Evil Knievel. So here's that's a great here, movie, by the way. Right here's to the hammer. Yeah, uh, anyway, uh, um, I, well, I, I don't want to form an opinion until I know what Mark thinks. Oh, okay. So, Mark, do you think? Boy, that's a big. That's a long punt. I think you may have had a. I, I don't think it, violation. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it'll matter. How about that? I don't think it'll matter if anything. I think. Wait a minute! You just asked Mark to come, <laughs> then you stepped on him. <laughs> What's going on? I don't think it'll matter if anything. I think it, it will help him. Believe it or not. How so? Because I don't think uh, COVID in general can hurt him anymore. I mean, that damage has already been done. Um, I mean, th- people have already made up their mind with how he's treated COVID, but I think it can help him to you know because he's he's already we're already seeing him go out there and say hey. You know, you can't let it affect your life. You know, I went through it. It's a-okay. We're doing fine. And, and that message might resonate with some people to be like, yeah, let's let's move forward. He's the guy that's going to move us forward in COVID because he's been through it and not Biden. Uh, Mr. Windsor? Well, that's certainly what he's trying to – that's the tact he's trying to take. I was kind of out of it there for a few days, but the last couple of days – and Reed, he's back to tweeting again, or at least somebody's tweeting on this account – yeah, he's trying to own it, saying, I know things about it now. And he should. Uh, I mean, this is the message, right? I know uh, things about it now that obviously Joe Biden doesn't, that really nobody else does. I mean, I, you know, I'm an expert in a way, and, and that might play. Um, plus, you get a little bit of empathy. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little sympathy, rather. That's true. Uh, so that, that, that could help. The thing that I would worry about is, is, is he out of the weeds yet, right? I mean, who, who knows? The way he was kind of gra- trying to grab air. Was that, that was just last night, right? It was, yeah. Or yesterday. When he did his that, little, that his little, little drive-by over the weekend. But la- what Sean's referring to is last night he was standing out on the balcony there. And, right. And, you know, there's, some people felt that, yeah, he was gasping for air. Uh, but, but come on, it's it's about the image of him. And I think it will work for him. I, you haven't presented your side yet, ML. Well, because I have two sides. I think. Always. I think. Well, there you go. I, I think that if he had. Um, some of his advisors had wanted him to show more empathy and they thought that by, by uh, saying, you know, Hey, listen, I've, I've dealt with this. I'm, I'm like you, I'm um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the Americans who's battling this, that it may have softened him a little bit and may have shown him to be, you know, we keep hearing about empathy, empathy in the end. I, I don't know how many people are looking for an empathetic president, but I think it could have shown a softer side of Trump that may have helped him, with some of the the female voters, some of the suburban voters, some of the people who may not well, be that, so that doesn't fit with the image though. So hardcore, it doesn't. But but the thing is, his image uh, polling seems to suggest his image tops out at less than fifty percent. So if you can bring some people in, that's that could be very useful. Uh, he missed that opportunity, so I think in that regard, it doesn't help him. But I think one of you guys touched on where it does help him is where he can say. I'm 74. I'm obese. Now he wouldn't admit to being obese, but he, he'd say, you know, and I beat it. 
So yeah. it's not that bad. He'll say he had the worst version of it and he, he crushed it. And that, you know, yeah. that will play. And, and I think in that case, he can use this to his advantage to say, you know what? I had it. I beat it. You can beat it. It's not that bad. And of course, the counter to that is you have the best health care in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think it could go. As he should. I think yeah. it could, could go either way. But I do think there is a way that if he'd played it a little differently, it could have been a huge, huge boost uh, for the president with some constituencies that may still be gettable, but so far have eluded him. Especially, here's a couple of quick points, especially if he'd, ah. uh, you're right, Mike, especially if he'd, uh, thank you, if he'd stayed in the hospital a little bit longer and let that play out. The, the two things that might hurt him a little bit, one is, uh, one of you, uh, uh, let's just go ahead and use Mike's word, alluded to, the little stunt he pulled, I mean, maybe I shouldn't call it a stunt, that's a thats a judgment, but the, the ride he pulled in front of his supporters outside Walter, Walter Reed Hospital, um, I don't know how well that plays with independence, however few there are. And then the balcony shot, you know, it, it's its from yesterday, him standing on the balcony. That's just, again, a little bit out of the norm and, and people that are on the fence, people that love him, I'm sure loved it. People on the on the fence, I don't know how much they love it. And then the idea, the reports coming out today, even late last night, that a lot of White House staffers didn't like the fact that he came back in the White House so soon and the symbolism of taking his mask off. And, uh, you know, so there if those stories continue to leak and, and, and get published or, or broken on air, I don't think that will help him. But he's, he's showing I mean, the report today. He has no symptoms and he's moving forward. And maybe that's what's going to get the people. I mean, it's all about getting those people out to vote, which is his people will vote for him. No doubt. So I, I think in the end, this, this will work out for him because honestly, the, the spin, I, I really admire the spin by this administration. It's incredible how they turn any negative into a positive. And you know, that's, that's good politics, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. What's well, like Flava Flav said, some say I'm negative, but they're not positive. But when it comes to COVID-19, the president is most definitely positive. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. <laughs> Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? I should be very clear, too, that the reference to Flavor Flav does not in any way imply an endorsement of the President of the United States by Flavor Flav. I believe at this point he remains... Uh, well, it doesn't mean that it doesn't, though, either. He remains undecided. So. <laughs> he's, going, and, and, he's going Kanye. Who are you fooling? And with, uh, and with Pennsylvania being a battleground state, it's very important to see how those guys in Philadelphia are going to land on this one. So, uh, so uh, Flav, we hope to have him on a future episode, uh, if only because... Uh, Philadelphia? Yeah, I think so. I think that's. Uh, I hope not. He's not from Philadelphia. I think that's where Public Enemy's from. No. Where are they from? New York. What? Yeah, hundred percent. Really? Okay, maybe ninety. Now you're doubting me. Now I'm. I'm now you're planting that seed of doubt in my head. I thought that. that and, I think that, you're thinking that, of Will Smith. Just be careful. That seed of doubt can cause diverticulitis. <laughs> I understand that's very painful. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, speaking of flavor. Boy, this is going to be this. This worked out so sweet. Um, Altus Beer is one of our our uh, much appreciated sponsor. I just reloaded. I'll be taking some to hockey this week. Um, but let me tell you real quick before we get to our geeks of the week about the original Detroit Lager that's making a comeback here in the greatest city in the world. Maybe the deadliest, but also the greatest. Altus is the do anything anytime with anyone beer. 
I love to grab a case. I put it on ice, take it to the rink, and everybody's always glad to see, not me, but to see that frothy, frosty Altus brew. Fun fact about Altus. Yeah. What is it? It only takes six to make anyone a 10. That's my kind of math. There are a lot of things that started in Detroit that went away, but Altus is back. It's a lager that packs a punch and is seriously smooth and delicious. Go pick up some cans a day for yourself and enjoy. It is on tap at bars. And uh, in fact, I think you can get it at the Cadu Cafe. You can also go to altus.beer and find the locations location nearest you i promise this beer is insanely good and you will be thanking me for the recommendation so thank please. you oh for that welcome. recommendation you're welcome yes thank you you're welcome so sean <laughs> um you've had time to ruminate to cogitate to postulate um to postulate um while you were considering walking toward the light and and just so we're clear i'm very glad that you uh did not do that i know i think you probably remember my old partner, Jim Schaefer's wife, having a very scary bout with sepsis, and that is nothing anybody wants to mess with. But did you have time to think about a Geek of the Week for this week? Well, I did, uh, and I hope you'll Okay, well, it's too late. We're going on anyway to Mark. No, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. I, I, I hope you'll forgive me for uh, – oh. it's not a specific person, but, uh, but I, let me just say this. Here's my, here's my Geek of the Week. Um, so the first – second night I was in the hospital – the, the night shift nurse that was taking care of me uh, is, was from, I can't remember, she's from Belleville. I want to say Belleville, right? And she's black. She's been a nurse about 10 years or so. And we got to talking a little bit, and she started telling me um, she, the, the floor we were on at St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in, uh, actually in Superior Township, but kind of between Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. The floor we were on was all mostly GI, a little bit of heart stuff. And uh, I don't know, they're, they're, probably 30 rooms, 40 rooms. And that that's her world for seven or excuse me, 12 hours from 7 PM to 7 AM in the morning, every day or every night she's on that shift for the years that she's on this job. She walks into the room and she has no idea how people are going to treat her. The questions she get, where did you go to school? Did you go to school? Because the minute they see she's black and she said 95 of the patients she treats are white. She gets too many people that assume she doesn't know what she's doing by the minute she walks in because of the way they look at her. So my geek of the week would be the folks out there that don't think this still happens. And I, you, you can say, okay, fine, she made it, she's a nurse, whatever. But the white nurse who took care of me the day uh, during the day had, had did not have to deal with that. She walked into the room, and nobody's going to question her credentials. I'm sorry to get quite so serious in that, but this is just and it's just a little anecdote. Well. Now I'm but never. Now I'm never going to ask a nurse where they went to school, exactly. unless right. they're white. And, and the, the kind of que- yeah, the kind of questions, the the, the the insidious little line of questioning. It's not aggressive necessarily, but it's just it's just kind of trying to maybe put you in your place or maybe letting you feel you're not comfortable. She's also told me that even including last month, she gets some some calls from patients uh, who say they please don't let her come back into my room the next day. That never happens to the white folks, right, uh, on that floor. So, and I know that's it's just one hospital and one little town, but uh, my geek of the week would be those folks who still think that kind of thing doesn't go on. Um, my geek of the week, I'm, I'm afraid it might be on your list too, ML, because it's a story you wrote about in the free press, which is this uh, newly named Judge Hathaway. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I cut my list down considerably. I was, I was, <laughs> I think we lost a lot of time. Sean did bring it home. He brought, <laughs> it's okay, he, he brought it home strong, but for a while I was like, your, your geek of the week's going to be a black nurse. This is going to be tough. <laughs> I, you, 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 you turned that battleship right towards Okinawa and, and unleashed uh, hell on the, uh, on the foe. So but, thank you. Well, I learned from you. I bury the lead now. <laughs> oh, awesome. They didn't bury you. But in Wayne County, there's a uh, a guy running for, I don't even know what position he's running for. Is he just Wayne County judge? Wayne ML? County Circuit Court judge. And he's married to a Hathaway, correct? He is. But a month before he filed to uh, run, he changed, he took on his wife's name and added Hathaway to his name because he knows that's a good name recognition, especially for judges in, uh, in around this area. I mean, there's so, how many Hathaways are there? So there are three Hathaways named Hathaway who have been elected to serve on the Wayne County bench. There's a fourth Hathaway who's a very good judge, by the way, who uh, was too old to run again. They have age limits on judges. And so he's been serving as a, as a visiting judge. So that's a fourth Hathaway. And if you want to count the husband of retired judge, Amy Hathaway, judge David Groner, who put, get the bell ready, Kwame Kilpatrick back in jail for violating the terms of his uh, parole um, or probation, there's David Groner, who also is a, a very good judge. So well, that, he's, he's my, I mean, you wrote two stories on him that were just ridiculous. Um, the lies and some of the other issues that he's had, but the name change alone is my nomination this week. Oh, this is, this is a heavy show, man. It's not heavy. The guy, oh, that's, good. that's ridiculous. It was some excellent journalism. I, I certainly, uh, I didn't, certainly I didn't say that. that. Oh, well, why is it so heavy? Did you spend the first half hour talking about murder? Uh, yeah, and then, to the show. then addiction, and then some guy had a hole in his butt. Talked to us for a while about it. So. <laughs> no, not there is oh. the butt. The butt hopefully has a hole. <laughs> it's a hole an additional hole. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> that would be a problem if it didn't have a hole. Although. Well, we won't go there. Yeah, so I actually met a kid who was born with oh, a penis, but uh, <laughs> that's not a story we want to tell. Um, so anyway, um, oh, man. Uh, yeah, this feels like it's going to be the longest show ever, but nobody's going to get to the end, so I'm just going to dive right in. So my first uh, choice for Geek of the Week was going to be J.P. Morgan Chase, which agreed to pay $920 million for manipulating markets. Then it was going to be Facebook because their policy is to take down false and misleading information unless it is included in a paid political advertisement. So they won't let us put our website, which only speaks truth, on Facebook, but they will allow you to lie as long as you're paying them for it. So for bully for you, uh, Facebook. But ultimately, my, my choice is the CDC, and I'll tell you why, because I think they do important work. I think it's an important federal agency but they have now been so tainted by politics and by false starts and by saying things that they then took back. In fact, I was at a uh, city of Detroit press conference and we were talking about flu shots and I, I went up to the microphone and mayor Duggan says, ML, you're getting a, a, a COVID-19 vaccination as soon as they come out, aren't you? And I said, I guess it depends who's giving them because I don't know that I trust the protocols anymore. And I am not an anti-vaxxer, but anyway, they uh, have been slow to acknowledge that COVID-19 is airborne. Uh, but then last week they did say it was, but then they took it down from their website. And now they have put a milder version 
on their website, and this is basically what it says, according to a CDC scientist who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he's not authorized to speak. But when you hear what he says, you will wish he could only be the one to speak because this is the plainest English you will ever get. COVID-19 has spread. It's not just big goobers, but everything that's exhaled, big and tiny. So CDC for farting around, for getting caught up in politics, for not allowing this wise man to say something in the first place, you're my Geek of the Week. The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too no. soft. I'm going to pretend like you need to just make my dick go soft. There's nothing being wrong with being soft, but it's hard to make money and to know what to do with your money but there's a guy you just hand it off to him you let him do all the hard work that's our friend and sponsor Luke Nowacki one of the few people who sponsors the entire Red Shovel Network some people like to save up for something really nice like a nice earring that looks really cool those people are known as studs and sore the earrings or maybe a time machine that could take you back to the 90s when dudes with earrings that weren't pro athletes were a thing some think they still our thing. If you're wondering how you can budget for major purchase, call Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748 or email at lnowacki at pinnaclewealthstrategies.com. We have a link to Luke's site on our website. He'll assist you to devise a plan target to help you reach your financial goals. And when you deal with Luke Nowacki, he'll make sure that it's all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. And when you call Luke, you let him know ML sent you. Um, uh, joining us from the, the woods, uh, I'm tempted to say the backwoods, but after the colon jokes, we're going to try and just skip right through that, is oh, Professor... Shit. Matthew Xavier Jennings, uh, sir, order, it's everybody. it's uh, class is uh, class is in order. Yeah, it, every and Sean made it. I'm happy with that, and I'm glad you're doing Thanks. better, Sean. Thanks, Thanks man. What, what are you looking around for? What are you worried about, man? Is that um, guy, that that guy on the couch? You know, the him? FBI was just on the show. <laughs> and, you you got to uh, worry about the ATF. I, I, <laughs> I'd worry about that guy sitting on the couch right behind you. He looks devious. That's oh, my brother Patrick. Yeah, tell him to sit up straight. He's, he's going to hurt his back. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, he hurt his back earlier. We've been camping for two nights. Hot. All right, what do you got okay. for us today? All right, 1964, Japan's first high-speed train network named the Shinkansen, a.k.a. the Bullet Train, opened to coincide with the Tokyo Olympics. The Bullet Train traveled at a speed of 130 miles an hour, and the only flaw is the new tech. The new it is, was the new technology, which was the subpar braking system, earning the gold medal for creating the most athletes for the 1976 Paralympic Games. You know, the bullet train travels at about uh, 300 miles an hour, yeah. which is the same speed that the bad sushi that went through Sean Ooh. while he was in Phoenix went. Is this the same the- joke? Uh, yeah, I'm no, that's you. spontaneous comedy. I like that. He's, he's doing so a routine, Sean. Don't interrupt him. And I, as, you know, it, as far as the I'm braking impressed. system goes, yes, the braking system was way better. Three pairs of underwear. Hello. L- l- on behalf of the butchery, let me just say, Matt's <laughs> humor is not always in good taste, but his sausage is delicious. <laughs> that's true. It is. It's zesty. 
I, okay. Uh, okay. Next. Next. <laughs> Can we just edit my part out? Never. Britney Spears was ordered by a judge to release her children to her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, and Ugh. give up custody. Wait. Oh, my God. I'm still hungover. <sighs> like Kevin Federline. Yeah. Britney Spears was ordered by a judge to release her children to her ex-husband, Fetter, Kevin Fever, Fetter Ketterline, give up her joint custody privileges and begin alcohol and drug testing, which is what I'll probably have to do. According to the court documents, the separation was quite emotional. As the court liaison led her children away, Spears got, Spears got up, <laughs> reached out towards them and said, oops. I think yeah, uh, what you mean to say is when she relapsed, she said, oops, I did it again. Yeah. I can't even, I cannot finish strong. Doing this bad. All right. In 92, Eric Clapton's $7 million earning Grammy award winning album unplugged entered the billboard charts falling 49 stories to number one. That's a good one. See you again. It was worth the wait. late bar here we are if you are looking to buy not just a uh, room 7609 but a whole house full of rooms contact our friend david hall at hall financial they are working around the clock to help people save money by refinancing it's a great time to look at your options that's why many people are refinancing right now if you haven't refinanced in the last year hall financial is here to help now's the time to lower your monthly payments and keep some extra money in your pocket as we go through these turbulent times and by refinancing you can probably skip two payments so why not see if you can save some money or cut your term they have tons of five-star ratings way more than us i think they're probably up to 1800 or something like that over 2000 over 2000 see what yeah, i mean i'm looking happened. at their website right now that's up to t- over 21 now up to 22 th- no it's not going that fast but I'm one of the guys who've given a five-star review because they've helped me make some very tricky deals happen. And I encourage you to call my man, Dan Morrison, at 248-308-5000. Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attention. There's a link from our website to their website. If you call and let them know ML sent you and MLS 1467435. And I do need to make a quick correction. Last week, when we had Christopher George from the Smiths United on, I said that we would be playing a cover of of uh, How Soon Is Now by the Smiths this week. Because this week we transitioned from new wave B-sides to new wave classics covered by non-new wave bands. Mm-hmm. In fact, we are not playing a cover of How Soon Is Now, even though there are so many tremendous ones out there. We are playing a cover of one of my favorite Smiths songs, Sweet and Tender Hooligan. This one is performed by Melanie Payne, or Melanie Payne, as the French would say, and Nouvelle Vague. Whoa. So without further adieu, as the French would say, here's Melanie Payne and Nouvelle Vague playing the Smiths' Sweet and Tender Hooligan. You are a sweet and tender hooligan 
Why do you always have a really hard exhale out of the songs? That is Melanie Payne with the accent aigu on the E. She is a living dream. She yeah. is an angel sent to earth to uh, perform music. She didn't set out to be a singer, but she had uh, recorded uh, some vocals on a demo for a friend that somehow ended up with Nouvelle Vague, which is French for New Wave, but they're referring more to New Wave cinema rather than um, the music. But uh, And if anybody likes New Wave cinema, then you'll also remember another angel, Brigitte, Brigitte Bardot, who uh, ended up kind of crazy and cracked out at the end, but uh, started out as just... Let me ask you this question about that song, Smith's cover, right? They're not, they're not terribly fond of people covering their songs, are they? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I just maybe I just assume that because of Morrissey. Well, I think I think there's a part. Of, so you have to remember Morrissey, who's kind of a pain in the balls, also lives in Clark Gable's former home in L.A. and drives a Jaguar. So I think <laughs> when the residuals come in, he finds a way to deal with it. But um, but Melanie Payne is um, is just uh, 
God, if you watch this video, go find it on YouTube. She's just a, a beautiful, simple young French woman with a amazing smock in black tights on, which is if she, I can't, I can't tell in the video if she's wearing Doc Martens, but if she is, <laughs> she's pretty much the perfect woman. But, um, but, uh, that's cool. Different. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. They're kind of a folky version, but, um, it's great. And if you listen to this song, the lyrics are great. It's basically about, yeah, let's go easy on this guy because he killed an old man, but the old man was going to die anyways. And then, uh, he uh, strangled an old woman in the bed as she read, which mm. is just great wordplay. But she was sad and she was going to die anyway. And so, uh, but and, meat is murder. So, yeah. But when you listen to when you, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> Morrissey doesn't condone the murder of old men or old women either. So, uh, so he's consistent. Uh, he seems to have, take a harsher tone than he would on that person in the story, in the song. Uh, well, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's favoring incarceration for this individual. But, uh, when you listen to the live version by the Smiths in between each one, when he says, buddy, uh, you know, he won't do it again. He goes, ah, as if you're like, yeah, right. But, uh, anyway, so this month on, uh, in, in, um, room seven, six or nine, we are inviting you to send us your favorite new wave songs covered by a non new wave band. We've already received a ton of great suggestions so if the suggestions are good enough, we will extend this beyond October. Send those suggestions to us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com or give us a call. Leave a message for us on our voicemail. The, the number is Butterfield 89070. That's 313-288-907. Wait for it. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Oh. You got that, Sean? Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> Does that did that aid your convalescence? Sure, yeah, it was soothing. Did that heal your soul and your whole? Will you heal my soul? Yeah, let's leave it there. If you say something else, it'll be edited out. So don't bother. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just cut it right off there. So that's room seven six oh nine. Oh man, I'm gonna listen to that five more times today. Um, so uh, we appreciate you making it this far in the show. Uh, some people would say that's a medical miracle. We've seen a lot of those miracles this week. We're glad Sean is able to join us, and we look forward to him rejoining us in studio. I know his family can't wait to get him out of the house for a couple hours. <laughs> but um, but Sean, we we wish you Godspeed in your recovery, and uh, we think that you'll be back to normal before the Lions. I feel safe saying that. Before the line, you mean after the bye week or uh, just overall in the terms of the universe? Actually, the you know, I need to take that back. The Lions are back to normal. They suck. We we think you'll be back to your winning ways before the Lions write the ship. You will heal and recover before the Lions. Sean, when I appreciate, I appreciate that, Dr. Howard. What's that, Mark? <laughs> when, uh, when will they be fired, Patricia and um, Quinn? I got my degree in bootyology, Sean, but it still makes me a doctor. Well, if the... Assuming the season plays out the way it has so far, probably the end of the season, the Lions just aren't. I mean, it would take something pretty radical for uh, the Fords to to get rid of them. You don't think that you don't think to the next if they lose uh, Jacksonville and Atlanta, those two terrible teams. They, they I mean, just- maybe, but here's the thing: if there were fans right now and uh, and that was at stake, and they were looking at you know empty stadiums <laughs> when uh, fans were allowed to come, then that might be a different kind of pressure. That's interesting. I didn't think but about what, that. Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, I just sort of, I was just thinking about that the other day. I just, the concession money, the, the, the ticket sales, I know a lot of those are ahead of time that that's not on the table right now. So, 
Um, what else? What what else did I have to lose? Right? Is it too soon for me to bring back my Caldwell uh, campaign? Bring back Caldwell? I mean, this team. I don't know if you saw the comments Dan Orlovsky yeah. made, but he said this team was doing great, and they they blew Caldwell out, and they said it was a mess. It was not a mess. This team is a mess, and uh, I I I, I can't help but wonder whether Jim Caldwell. Uh, is the victim of some of the same thoughts that afflict your uh, your nurse. Um, this guy, you know what, was there the best Lions coach we've had in a while, and he's made some stupid he made some stupid calls on the sidelines, but he's still way ahead of the pack. Yep. Where is Jim Caldwell now? Miami, I believe. Oh, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I, I've heard that from readers for the last couple of years. I remember when when Caldwell was uh, fired. I got emails from uh, from readers in Detroit. Uh, that's come up again the last few weeks. I've uh, had a few conversations with folks about that who who wonder the same thing. I mean, it's one of those things that's hard to lay out and say, okay, here's the an- analytically, but but it's it's kind of in the gut a little bit. And um, I mean, certainly when you look at the records, for sure, right? I mean, Patricia, I, uh, I hate to say this in some ways, but he's looked in over his head at various times from the from the start. Yep. yep. Amen. Well. <sighs> Man. Well, anyways, we, we appreciate you uh, keeping an eye on things even when you're on your back. Um, this show does not uh, support itself. We rely on our sponsors and we appreciate it when you support our sponsors. You know, we do business with them because we think they're trustworthy and because we think that they'll treat you right. If that if that ever turns out to be wrong, you let us know right away. You know how to get a hold of us. But uh, when you do contact them, please let them know that ML Soul of Detroit sent you or that you heard about them from ML Soul of Detroit. If you want to get in the game yourself and just cut right to uh, right to all the red tape and just give us money, Mark, Mark, tell them how to these good people, how to be so foolish and generous at the same time. ML Soul of Detroit.com. Hit that donate button. Hit it often. That's right. Hit it hard. And uh, this week we need to thank um, Raymond for a very, very generous donation. So wow. thank you. Thank you so much for that, and um, and we're gonna give we're gonna we're gonna give one more try to jumpstart our Cami Soul program, which is where you send us at least twenty dollars, give us a message that you would like us to read for a loved one, a friend, maybe even someone you hate bitterly. Um, this is a sample. This is something I did for a friend of mine um, for his fiftieth birthday. Oh, but I'm this sure is this very. Is, very sure it's gonna be nice. This is what you could get. By participating in Candy Hey, Adam, Soul. it's your old pal, ML Elric, winner of the Pulitzer Prize and host <laughs> of the ML Soul of Detroit podcast. Big fan of the whole family. I hear you're turning 50, so I got you a card. Let me read it to you. A sweetie pie, a honey child from head to tiny feet. Congratulations on the one who's made your world complete. So actually, it's not a birthday card I got at the dollar store. But uh, if you have a baby, <laughs> this will you really... You know, it'll come in handy. Anyway, uh, you know, welcome to the 50 and over club. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, you don't have to worry about menopause. Um, but uh, actually, I guess that's pretty much the only cool thing. Um, yeah, it's all downhill from here. Uh, oh, glasses come off. It's very dramatic. The more I think about it, it's pretty depressing, dude. It may- maybe it'll be different for you. Anyways, uh, Happy birthday, bro. Oh, how professional. So uplifting messages like that you can you can make possible by Cami Soul. And I'll tell you right now, 
if you sons of bitches don't step up this week, we're going we're gonna to be done with that. So that's that. Um, there's other ways you can support the show. Mark knows exactly what I'm talking about, and we'll uh, prove that uh, momentarily. DrewandMikeStore.com. Bang! There you go. Yeah, get your keychains, masks, gators, all, all the fun stuff there. We're, we're talking about a winter cap. Uh, we have our R&D department uh, looking at that right now. There's There's rumor. Of a hoodie, but uh, there's some there's some high level negotiations going on. We have to get that worked out. In the meantime, uh, we love it when you listen to the show. That's really all you have to do. If you just listen to the show, that's that's quite frankly enough for us. Uh, you can subscribe to the show. That's the best way to do it because a new episode pops up, bing, right away. You can share the show. We really appreciate when you spread the gospel of the uh, soul of Detroit. Rate the show. We love getting your ratings, even the one-star ratings. We will share them all because we hide from no man, even though there's a few women who scare us, mostly <laughs> our wives. And if you if you love the show, that's that's really that's all anybody can ask. Um, you want to comment? Post something on Facebook. The page to look for stuff on the show is ML Elric. No periods, ML Elric. That's also where you can see our Facebook Live uh, broadcast. You can post to Twitter. The account there is Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K. You can write to mlsolvedetroit at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at Butterfield 89070, a.k.a. for the squares, 313-288-9070. And uh, we know what Sean's doing. You've heard about my coverage of the uh, the Wayne County judge who changed his name just before he put himself on the ballot. Pretty interesting story the other day about how a former boss called him a liar and uh, yeah. and a lazy bones. If you want to see that, go to freep.com. You'll have to subscribe, but it's ninety nine cents a month for the next for each of the next three months. So I think that's well worth it, and it'll keep Sean and I from uh, working the streets. And he's not earning like he used to since he's been in the hospital. We also appreciate if you'd support our other Red Shovel Network shows. That's Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob, and of course the Drew and Mike podcast. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And on that day, a dark warrior rose to the earth to destroy the soul of Detroit. Maybe they're friendly. I really reached my breaking point after I made that jump to heroin and I just knew if I didn't make a change I would ultimately lose my life. I was passing by a police department and I just made the split-second decision to walk in. The police officer greeted me, hope not handcuffs arrived, and saved my life. The first step doesn't need to be the hardest. Let us help guide you to recovery. Go to hopenothandcuffs.com to learn more.